Well, good morning. Good to see all of you come out this morning. We're going to um, continue our study this morning in the book of Ephesians where we left off back in December. Uh, actually, it's the beginning of December. We, uh, we came off of this for a time of Advent, for the season of Advent. And uh, we're going to pick it back up today and just keep going with it. So I'll give you a quick little recap here in just a minute. But we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 14 through 21. I know, as always, you stand a lot. But if you have the means and you're able, would you stand one more time as we read this living and powerful Word of God, please? I pray this morning that you, um, you have a Bible. I hope that you have your Bible in front of you. If not, I don't want to um, scold anybody this morning. That's not my intention here. But I do want to... One of my main goals in what I'm doing, going through a book and studying through it with you, is that in the hopes of that you can see the big picture of the book, that you can get the context of it and so that you can go home and you can study it for yourself as well and come up with the right interpretation of it. <clears throat> and so I pray that as we go through this, if you, if you don't have a Bible, I pray that you would go get one. If you can't afford one, can't get one, come see me. See me or Nick. Uh, I, I, we are not going to let you go around here without having a Bible of your own to be able to study and to read. And so I pray this morning, if you have one, stay with me in it so that you can see this thing for, for yourself with your own eyes. Beginning in verse 14, he says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, so that you being rooted and grounded in love <clears throat> may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that, and here's the final goal, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You can be seated this morning. And as you're seated, Peyton, would you lead us in a word of prayer, please? Amen. Amen. <clears throat> we come to our study in the book of Ephesians this morning. And I want to remind you that um, Ephesians is split into two parts. Ephesians chapter 1 through 3 is all about your position in Christ, who you are in Christ, your resources in Christ, who God has called you to be. It's a declaration of what God says and who God says you are as a Christian following Christ. Now that's chapters 1 through 3. 
But then we get to chapters 4 through 6, the second half of Ephesians, and this starts out with helping you understand this is how you live out your position. This is how you actually build this thing that, that Christ has called you to. And so again, see this in your head. Chapters 1 through 3, the first half of the book, is this is who I am in Jesus Christ. This is who God declares me to be. This is what He declares that I am. And then chapters 4 through 6, He says, Okay, now based on who you are, this is how you live it out. And so before we move into chapter 4, I want you to notice that right in the middle here, at the end of chapter 3, is a prayer. And this prayer is simply a prayer for God to do the impossible. Literally, it is something that we cannot do. God declares that this is who we are. He has made us this. You might remember if you go back in your mind with me in Ephesians chapter 1, He declared that we were saints. In other words, those that are being called to holiness. He declared that we are chosen by Him before the foundations of the world. He declared that we are redeemed by the blood of His Son. He declares that we are adopted as His children. He declares that we are now equal heirs with Christ to receive the same inheritance that He receives. He declares that you are saved by grace and grace alone and that it is through faith and faith alone. The Bible says Abraham believed God. Therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. It was through his faith in the promise of God that he was saved by the undeserved mercy or the grace of God. And then he declares that he saved you for good works because God prepared beforehand that you should walk in good works. And then he declares at the end of chapter 2 that you are being built into a holy temple that you are being um, built together with others into a dwelling place for God in the Spirit. Now you think about that for a minute. He said that God wants to live in, in you and with you. He wants your house to be His home. Now you think about that for just a minute. And that's who you are. That's who He's called you to be. And now he's fixing to tell you this is how it's lived out. But he needs us to understand something. This is impossible for us. But do you remember what... Um, you remember the story of the rich man whenever he came to Jesus and he said, Good teacher, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus looked at him and he said, Well, you need to follow this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And he looked back at him and said, Well, I'm good, I've done all that. And Jesus said, yeah, you're missing one thing. You think you've done all this, but what about this commandment? And it was about all of his goods. He said, do you love this stuff more than you love God? If you don't, then sell everything you have and give to the poor. And the Bible says that the man turned around and he walked away sad because he had many possessions. In other words, Jesus was trying to show him that you're not perfect. The law was not given for you to be saved. It was given to show you that you're not saved. It was given to show you that you're not right with God, that you don't love God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. And so as a result of that, the man turns around and he walks away. But then Jesus said to his disciples, he said, You know, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter heaven. 
And the disciples looked back at Jesus and they said, Well, then if that's the case, who can be saved? And Jesus says something very interesting. He said, With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And so what we have here in Ephesians is the Apostle Paul understanding that what God is calling us to be is an impossibility for me. You can't do it. I can't do it. But God can do it. Through the power of God, He can actually make us to become the dwelling place of God in His Spirit in our bodies. And so we need to focus here on what this prayer represents, on how He asked, what He asked for in this prayer. There are five requests in this prayer. (coughs) Excuse me. There are five requests in this prayer. Uh, One of the first ones you'll notice in verse 16 is um, that according to the riches of His glory, God may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. In other words, He's saying this right here. He wants you to have power, divine power, through His Holy Spirit which He has given you so that your inner man can be strong enough to overcome the desires of this flesh. Do you remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was his, his toughest hour and he wanted his three best friends to come and pray with him, but he, when he came back and he found them, did he find them praying? Found them sleeping, right? You remember what he said to them? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, we have a weak inner man. Anybody in here know that? I got a weak inner man. And so what Paul is saying here is that you in your own strength, in your own inner man, you can't do it. Even if the Spirit is willing, you can't do it. You need divine power from God that is going to strengthen your inner man and is going to actually lead you into building this house that God wants you to build. Another, uh, the next, uh, we'll go through them very quickly. I'm not going to preach them all right here. Verse 17. If you do this, here's the next request, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. In other words, He wants Christ to dwell in your heart. We're going to get into what that means here in a minute. Let me give you a clue. It does not mean that Christ is not already in you. Remember, He just spent chapters 1 through 3 declaring to you that because Christ is in you and because you're in Christ, this is who you are. And so he's not saying that if you don't do this, then Christ is not going to dwell in you. We'll get to what he's talking about and what he's asking for in a minute. That's you being rooted and grounded in love. So the next thing is that you would be rooted. What does it mean to to be rooted in something? What does it mean to be grounded in something? It means that that is your foundation. It means that's what you're getting your nourishment from. And so when Christ dwells in you in this context of what He's asking for, it means that you experience the love of Christ in such a way that you get nourishment from it, that you are grounded in it, that you are built upon it. And then as a result of that, look what happens next in verse 18 so that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. In other words, it's not just an individual house that you're building in love here. This is something that he's just spent the whole chapter 2 explaining to us that it's brothers and sisters, it's a family that he's joined together that he's building a house out of. 
not just individuals, so that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and then finally, that you can know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Literally, He wants you to know the love of Christ in such a way that it's not just a knowledge that Jesus loved me so much that He gave His life for me. It's good to have that knowledge, right? But this experience goes beyond knowledge. This is an experience in Jesus Christ to where you actually experience His love in such a way that it's past anything you could have ever learned. It's just something that you know. It's something that you experience. And can I be honest with you? I would venture to say that a very large majority of us have never reached past the first step in this. We've never got to this. We can't understand this. We don't know this because we've never got here. Let's keep going. Finally, here's the goal. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So here's what I want you to understand that Paul is praying for. He's going back and he wants you to become the house that God can live in and have full control over. And so that's his prayer. That's the reason why he begins this prayer in verse 14 with these three words. For this reason. For what reason? Well, you have to go back to the beginning of chapter 3 and you see that this is where he started at. But he kind of... Anybody ever started to pray, especially maybe you're in bed at night and, and you start to say your prayer and next thing you know you wake up? Or maybe you... You start to pray and next thing you know your mind's somewhere. It's done. You understand what, what we're talking about here? Well, this is what happened to Paul. He, he wanted to get into his prayer when he began chapter 3. And he wanted to pray over what he had just said in chapter 2. If you go back to chapter 2, if you've got your Bible, stay with me. If you go back to chapter 2 beginning in verse 19... I want you to see here that this is what he's praying for. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. You are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And then look at Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1. He says here, For this reason, I, Paul... And then he breaks off before he starts praying for just a moment to declare a little bit more about how this mystery of God putting Jews and Gentiles together to be the temple of God. He breaks off to explain to you just for a minute how this mystery has been revealed now. But then he gets right back to his prayer in verse 14 again and he says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. And so he gets back to the prayer. He says, listen, I know that what God is calling you to and what He's doing is impossible with you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go back to the one who has the power, who called you to it to begin with, who chose you to begin with, who redeemed you to begin with, who adopted you to begin with, who put you in Christ to begin with. We're going to go back to Him. 
And we're going to ask Him to do in us what He has called us to do. Because I can't do it in my power. You can't do it in your power. It takes His power and His strength. And so I want you to look again at the beginning of or the end of of chapter 3 to where He had the goal in verse um, 19. He says, And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He wants you to know that without this prayer, without the power of prayer, without the, um, the heart in you that understands, I can't do this without the power of God. I am completely dependent on Him. If you don't have that, then you will never be able to make it through these steps to where you actually become the one that in you dwells all the fullness of God. And this is something that, again, we can't comprehend, we can't understand because we haven't got there yet. Just to prove my point, go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Right there past it in verse 1. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. In other words, based on the fact that we have now prayed for the power, that you understand the power you need, based on the fact that you understand that you can't do it in your own strength and you understand the steps that have to be done in your life, based on that, I therefore now urge you and beg you to walk this way. Not because you're doing it in your strength, not because you're doing it in your power, but because we're depending on the power of God through prayer. And now I'm going to give you the direction to walk. And then he starts teaching you this is how you build the church. Any of you that are familiar with Ephesians chapter 4 will know that's what Ephesians 4 is about. This is how you build the building that God is going to live in. This is how you build the building that God is going to dwell in His fullness in. This is how you do it. But we can't get there until we get this little section that He crammed in the middle and we look at this prayer. And so with those things in mind, let's look at this prayer one more time and examine these requests so that we can see how do I become the fullness of God and His dwelling in me. Number one... Verse 16, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. This is where it all begins. And I'm going to be honest with you this morning. Most of us have never got this point down. And because we've not got the key we can't move on to step two. So listen closely to this one. He's saying here that you have a divine power inside of you that God has given every believer. In Acts chapter 2 verse 38 and 39, Peter actually tells them that if you will, if you will believe in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you will repent of your sins, if you will confess your sins, if you will be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, he lays out this plan here. He says, if you will do that, then the promise that God has given everyone that He calls is that you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He tells them, this is how you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
You do this, you hear the call of Jesus Christ, you confess your sin, you repent of your sin, you trust in Him by faith, and as you do this, God is going to give you His Spirit. In Romans chapter 8 verse 9, it actually says that every person who belongs to Christ has the Holy Spirit. If you belong to Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus said that you will receive power when you receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, one of the ways that you're going to know that you have the Holy Spirit is there is power in you to fight your sin. There is power in you to witness. There is power in you to follow Christ. And without that power, you cannot do it. You will always give in to your sin. You will always keep following your flesh. You will always keep following your own desires. That's the truth of it. But if you are a called, repentant believer, then you have power. Listen to me closely. A lot of people refuse to access this power. A lot of people quench this power, the Bible says. A lot of people um, throw water on this power instead of listening to this power. You have power if you are a Christian. You have the Spirit of God if you belong to Christ. The problem is most of the time we're not sensitive to this power. The problem is most of the time we ignore this power. The problem is most of the time we quench this power. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 19... I'm going to turn to these, so y'all just bear with me. I'm going to turn to them in my Bible and read them. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, listen to what he says. Do not quench the Spirit. In other words, there is a power that God has given you that is there to convict you of your sin. Jesus told us that that is one of His primary jobs. He's there to convict you of your sin. He's there to show you when you're not walking in the ways of God. He's also there to teach you and to bring into remembrance all the things that Jesus is teaching you. And so He's there to take the teachings of Jesus that you learn as we study this Bible and He's there to show you the things that are contrary to that and He convicts you of sin and then He shows you the right way so that we can walk in it. But what do we do? We quench it and we ignore it. And we say, well, that don't really line up with my agenda. That don't really line up with my desires and what I want to do. And so as a result of that, I'm not listening. And so it is very important that we understand the only remedy for this is Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 5, 16. He says, but I say, walk in the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for they are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. In other words, Paul is saying very plainly, you have to recognize that the power is there. You have to recognize that the guidance is there. And then you have to make a choice. I am going to walk according to this guidance and according to this power and I'm not going to walk according to this guidance and this power. That is the only way that we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so he says here that you don't quench it, you don't ignore it, you listen to it. In Ephesians chapter 4, 
If you were to go over to the next chapter, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30, listen to what he says. He says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And in doing this, if you were to look around and read the other verses, here's what you would learn. He's teaching us, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Put this away and put this on instead. Don't let your anger control you. All these things he's teaching. And then he throws this right in the middle and says, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you've been sealed for the day of redemption. In other words, God has given you this power and He's given you this guidance and He's given you this strength and it will guide you and it will strengthen you and it will make your inner man strong if you'll just not quench it, if you'll just not ignore it, and if you'll just follow it. But the problem is most of us don't get past this point. Most of us continue acting like we're walking in Christ and the whole time we're not listening to Him. We're not seeking Him out. We don't get up in the morning and go, Okay, God, what do I do first? We don't, we don't wait before a decision needs to be made and stop and go, Okay, Father, will you guide me in this? And listen to what He has to say. We don't do that. We get up and we just walk our lives doing what we want to do. Amen? And as a result of that, we never get to the second step. And so let's go to the second part of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. Notice those first two words of Ephesians 3, verse 17. So that. The Greek literally says it like this. In order that. In other words, if you don't do this one, then this one can't happen. Keep that in mind. So let's see what it is that Paul knows needs to happen for you to become the dwelling place of God. He says here, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. When you go back and you study words, you'll find in the Greek that when it gets to this word dwell so that Christ may dwell. He's not saying so that Christ may be able to, to be with you. He's, this word dwell comes from a Greek word. Its literal meaning is this, to settle in and to make itself at home. Any of you that, that have a Strong's Concordance or if you have Bible Hub that you can look up the original Greek and you can see this, go find it for yourself. What you'll find is this word means to settle in and to make oneself at home. Let me ask you a question for those married men around here. For you married men around here, if your house is a mess, how comfortable is your wife in it? Can they, can they settle in and rest and relax and enjoy themselves? Baby, I ain't talking to you right now. You just keep your opinions to yourself. Talking to all y'all other married men. If your house is a mess, is it possible for your spouse to settle in for the most part? Now some of y'all spouses, y'all just sitting together in this thing. Y'all live like pigs, both of you. But you know, that's you. Hey, listen, that's your house. You can do whatever you want in it. <clears throat> but <laughs> somebody, who am I talking to back there? Who was laughing? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you know, the, the thing that, that I'm trying to get at is this. If Jesus is having to spend all of his time constantly trying to clean up in your life, 
He's always having to go around. He's having to clean up your mind. He's having to clean up your heart. He goes, he goes in every room in your house and he's always cleaning. Can he ever settle in and just fellowship with you? What he's saying here is this. When you learn to walk in the Spirit and you learn to surrender your decisions to the Spirit and you learn to be sensitive to the Spirit and not ignore it and not quench it, but you really get up with the desire to seek the power of God and live in the power of God, then you have an environment that Jesus can all of a sudden come in and He can settle in and He can make Himself at home in you. You see that? And so what he's trying to get across to you is this. Many times the reason why you don't have the relationship with him that you want or like others have, many times the reason you don't have the relationship you want, you don't fellowship with him like you want, you don't understand him, you don't hear him, he seems like he's so far away, and many times the reason that is is because you can't get the key. And the key to this thing is... I've got to be diligent about walking in the power of His Spirit. He's trying to build a house out of me. He's trying to make my heart a home. And He is only able to do that completely as you surrender to Him and quit fighting with Him. And so He says here, guys, I'm praying And I'm praying this because there is no power without prayer. And so I'm praying and I'm asking the Father, the Father who has adopted us, I'm asking the Father that according to His riches of glory, and all of Ephesians chapter 1 through 3, He's been telling you God is rich in mercy. God is rich in in glory. God is rich in grace. He's been telling you that God is a rich God. And He wants you to understand that He is your Father. And as a rich God, we can come to our Father and we can ask our rich Father that according to your riches, will you give us strength? According to your riches, will you give us power? And you remember remember what James said about asking not? He said, you have not. Why? There is no power without prayer. And so Paul understands that our first priority is I need a group of people that will understand before we can get to chapter 4, before we can say, I therefore now beg you to walk this way, before we can get there, we can't get there until there's a group of you that are willing to pray for our personal holiness. How often do you pray for your holiness? How often do you pray for your church's holiness? And Paul said, listen, I need some people here. Wells Baptist Church, we, we need some people here. We need some people here that say, God, I want you to have a place that you can be at home. I want you to have a place that you designed to live in. And so God, as a result of that, I pray for my holiness first. I pray for, for power for my inner man that I can follow your spirit, that I can be sensitive to your spirit, that I cannot ignore and quench your spirit. And I pray that I can quit making agreements with my flesh and my sin. How many of you make agreements with your sin? I know this don't belong, but God's going to forgive me anyway, right? He said, listen, why don't you quit making agreements with your sin and why don't you get this first thing right? Because when you do that so that Christ may make Himself at home 
and settle in to your heart so that you can fellowship with Him, so that he, you can commune with Him. And when you do that, you get to the third step in this thing, so that, and I want you to notice, this is a progression. When you go back to the Greek, all these so that's mean in order that, do this so in order that this can happen, and then when this happens, in order that this can happen, and when this happens, in order that this can happen. But if that's the case, and you're not in order, can any of the rest of this stuff happen without the first one? And so he says here, I want Christ to be at home in the church's heart. And it's going to be through their faith. I want them to be rooted and grounded in love because when Christ makes Himself at home, and when He fellowships with you, and when He communes with you, and when you have this close relationship with Him, one that the truth of the matter is, I'm talking about it right now, and you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. You know why? Because we ain't got past first step. But do you want that? Do you want that? Do you want to have such a relationship with Christ that you know Him? Do you want to have such a relationship with Christ that you can just sit down and comfort and talk to Him? Any of you live in a place to where most of the time Christ can't be very comfortable with you? That's where He's trying to get you away from. And so He says here that when Christ communes with you, when He fellowships with you, when He's settled in and when He's at home with you, here's the next step. He says that you being rooted and grounded in love. What's going to be the natural thing that comes from you if you are constantly in fellowship and rooted in the one who is love? Well, here's what's going to happen. It's going to, you ever heard uh, pea, like, like two peas in a pod? You ever heard birds of a feather flock together? You, you know, what it means is that um, whatever it is that you surround yourself with, most likely 99.999% of the time, you are going to become whatever it is that you surround yourself with, Right? And so he says here, I want Christ to be at home in your heart so that when he's at home and you're fellowship with him and you're one with him, you're going to be rooted in love. That means to get your nourishment from it. And you're going to be grounded in love. That means to build your foundation on it. Literally, the, the word here is better translated founded in love. The foundation of your life is in Jesus Christ and his love. And then let's keep going to the next one. Verse 18, so that you may, when you do this, so that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of the love of Christ. In other words, what he wants you to understand is this. Whenever you are walking in the Spirit and you are building the house that God wants to build in you, and Christ is able to dwell at home in you, and He's able to settle in and be comfortable in you, and you're rooted in His love, and you are building your foundation in His love, what happens in the church? It bleeds over into the church, and you begin to comprehend with all the saints. Because listen, this is not just an individual thing. I got too many people from this body that aren't sitting in these pews today that actually believe that they could go home and grow the building of God. 
Guys, I'm not telling you this as a pastor. I've seen this place packed to the brim where you can't get another person in here and I've seen it with just a handful. Been here long enough to see this church just like that. Fagan Francis has seen it. Many of you have seen that. I don't care whether we pack this thing out or not. I'm telling you what the Bible says. You ain't going to build the house for God apart from your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the truth. That's the facts of it. God didn't make us lone rangers. He put us together. We are being built together into a dwelling place for God by His Spirit. And so we need to understand that when we are rooted and we're, we're nourished by the love of God and we're being built on the love of God, whenever we come together with our brothers and sisters, we're going to comprehend this with all the saints. This is going to be something that we're all going to be able to experience. And we're all going to, to learn the limitless of God, limitlessness of God's love. He says that, that so we can comprehend what is the breadth and what is the height, what is the length and what is the depth. In other words, He wants you to know the limitlessness of God's love. He wants you to understand that when you come together with other believers, as you experience the love of Christ in your own heart, what is naturally going to happen with your brothers and sisters? You're going to share that love with them. And it don't have limits. It don't say, I'll love you as long as... No. No. It is limitless. The height of it can't be measured. The depth of it can't be reached. The, the breadth of it cannot be measured. This is the love of Christ. And, and not only will you just know it, notice he says so that you can, not, not only can you just know it, but here's the last thing that he wants you to get from this key. <clears throat> Verse 19, And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. This word surpasses literally comes from a Greek word that means to throw beyond. In other words, he wants you, when you try to see the progression here. When you walk in the Spirit and when you are building an environment through the power of God, when you're building an environment that Christ is making Himself at home in your life and when you are being rooted in His love and you're nourished by it and whenever you are founded and being built on this love, then it overflows to your brothers and sisters and you comprehend it together because you experience it together. But it's not just a knowledge thing. It goes beyond knowledge. All of a sudden, this has become something that you have never experienced before. Words can't explain this. It can only be experienced. It goes beyond knowledge. And again, the reason why, just being honest, the majority of us in here are confused when I talk about that is because we ain't got there. We ain't got there. We still got a little ways to go. And the reason why is because we can't get past the first step. The first step. And the reason why we can't get past the first step is because we have not. Because why? I'm not praying for my holiness. I'm not praying for the church's holiness. And so Paul don't even move into chapter 4, the second half of this book, without this first. And he does it in every book. Every book he does this in. And so when we do all these things, here's the goal. Verse 19, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that, in other words, in order that when you have all these things in place, one after the other takes place so that 
you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is a powerful prayer. It's an impossible thing for us. I love the way Solomon put it. Go with me to 1 Kings. I've got it here somewhere. Let me find it. Go with me to 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 27 and 28. First Kings chapter 8, verse 27 and 28. Look what this says. <clears throat> now, just so you know where we're at in this, this is where Solomon has been commanded by God to build him a house. Now, this is in the physical. We've been talking about the spiritual, right? But in this time, God has commanded Solomon, I want you to build me a house, a place for my presence to dwell. And Solomon builds it. He gets all, David gets, his father gets all the supplies together and he builds his house. And now he's fixing to dedicate this house to God. But then he thinks about something. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Before he can dedicate this thing to God, he says, Listen, i got a problem with this. This is messing with me here. Will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. In other words, what does Solomon know here? It's impossible for you to do what you're saying you're going to do. How many of you know in your heart right now that when God says, I want to come in you and I want to be at home, I want to live in you. I want to dwell with you. I want to be one with you. How many of you look at him and go, God, you can't do that. That ain't possible. That all the fullness of God could dwell in me? It ain't going to work. Keep going with me to verse 28 here. I'm sorry, keep finishing in verse 27. He says, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heavens cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built. One thing you've got to keep in mind, it is through the power of God that you are building this house. It is not through you. It's through you following Him. It's through you trusting Him. It's through your faith in Him. It's through you trusting that what He says is wise and what He says is true and I follow Him and I build the house. And then in verse 28 He says, Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant, Paul, uh, Solomon said, I know this is impossible. But even still, l- listen to my prayer, God. And listen to my plea. Oh Lord, my God, listening to the cry and to the prayer that your servant prays before you this day. And ultimately, here's I'm not going to keep finishing that, but here's what Solomon is saying in this. God, I know that it is impossible for what we're asking to take place. Nevertheless... Would you hear our prayer? Nevertheless, would you do what you said you want to do? You told us to build the house. We're building the house. I don't know how it can contain you. I don't know how your fullness could ever dwell in me. But nevertheless, you said it. I pray that you make it happen in my life. And then finally, 
in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20, I want you to notice, I love the way that Paul ends this prayer. <clears throat> I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. I told Riley wrong up there. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, listen to the way that Paul prays it. Because remember now, we're like Solomon. How is this possible, right? And listen to what Paul says in verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. According to what? The power that what? Within us. <laughs> now I want you to think about something. It's one thing. You know, I used to, I used to sing a lot in African American churches. Some of y'all remember it. You used to go with me. <clears throat> we used to party hard, didn't we? <clears throat> I remember... Um, I remember we used to go and, and sing, and they had a saying they would say in this church. They say, God is able. God is able. And I mean, that's something to, to think that, that, that God is able. And what they were talking about, whatever they were dealing with, God was able. But, but here, the, Paul goes a little bit further than this. God is not just able. He says here, now to him who, who's able, but he's able to do. And that's something else to go even that far. Not only is he able, yeah, he's able, but he may do it, he may not do it. Paul said, listen, now to him who is able to do. But then he don't stop there. Not only is he the one that's able to do, but he's the one that's able to do far. He's the one that's able to do far. And then he don't just stop there. He says, listen, not only is God the one that's able to do far, God is the one that is able to do far more. And then not only is he just able to do far more, but God is the one that is able to do far more abundantly. Abundantly than all that we can ask or think. And it's according to the power that is at work within us. And so ultimately what Paul wants you to understand is that yes, this is impossible. And that's what I titled this message, I believe. I titled it, A Prayer for the Impossible, I believe is how I put it. But not only is this impossible, but we have to understand that when we pray to the one who's called us to this, and when we surrender to His call, and when we let the power that is in us work, y'all see that? When we let the power that is in us work, he says here that he is able. And he is able to do, and he is able to do far, and he's able to do far more, and he's able to do far more abundantly than anything that you could think or anything that you could ask. And so in closing this morning, I wish I had a little bit more time because I'd love to finish up and show you the purpose of it in verse 21. I'll let you figure it out because it's all in Ephesians 1 through 3. But he says in verse 21, To Him be glory in the church. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so here's what I want to close this with this morning. We need some prayers. We need some people that want God 
to be at home in my life personally and in the life of my brothers and sisters. And we need some people that will take Ephesians chapter 3. Before I get into Ephesians chapter 4 next week, I need some people this week that will say, Pastor, I'll go home and I'll get on my knees before our Father and I will ask Him to strengthen us with His power in our inner man. And I'll ask Him to do it in me first. And then to do it in my brothers and sisters in Christ. And then as we do this, all these other things are going to take place so that the fullness of God can dwell in us as we build this house that He's fixing to teach you how to build in Ephesians chapter 4 through Ephesians chapter 6. And so I pray this morning that this sermon don't fall on deaf ears. I got some prayer warriors in here somewhere. I need you to sit down with this this week. And before we start trying to build anything, because that's what we're fixing, we fix start a building project. In Ephesians chapter 4, we fix and take off building. And the only way that it will ever get built is that we pray this prayer to the one who is able to do far more exceedingly abundantly above anything that we can think and anything that we can ask. And if you can do that, I promise you that when we get into Ephesians 4 through Ephesians 6, you're going to see some things happen.